Today we're going we're gonna to tag team preach. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so as an extension of yesterday's conference and uh, discussion about the five love languages, we're going to share some of our thoughts uh, about the overall sentiment of relationships and, and some of the, I guess, some of the issues that were brought up. Um, five love languages, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Um, blessings to everyone here. How, how many of you know you are blessed this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. It is great to be here with you guys. I know you guys really enjoyed the weekend. I see you guys had a great time. And um, we're just going to be sharing a little bit about um, ourselves and experiences. Sometimes you have to also share life experience. Um, and so we wanted to share with you guys today what God is doing, what God has done in us. Um, and how to work together with your spouse when it comes to the five love languages. So we're ready to do that for you guys today. God bless. Let's all stand um, as we dismiss the children. So we're going to read from uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. Ephesians, chapter 5. Verses 21 through 33. We're going to read from the New Living Translation. Um, but, of course, you read it. You can follow with your, your Bible. So when everybody has to say amen. amen. Three people say amen, so I'll give you 15 seconds more. <laughs> <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. And it reads, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as, the Lord, as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word today that uh, we're about to speak, oh Lord God. We thank you for the, um, this past weekend and the five love languages. Father, we pray that this would be a time where husbands and wives, and even those who are dating and contemplating marriage, Father, will begin to um, draw from your word and begin to submit, Father, to what you would have them submit to, Father, right now. We thank you, Father, and we pray that these words would enter the hearts of each and every person in this place, that it would minister to every person here today, that it would meet us at the point of our need right now, even in our relationships, Father, there's need in our relationships, that this word would meet us at the point of that need, oh, Lord God. Father, that we would submit in all things to you first, Lord God, that we may be able to follow your word as it is spoken in the Bible. We thank you, Father, for this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, could I have some, you may be seated. Could I have somebody that doesn't mind running? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <clears throat> so, words of affirmation.
Who would like to share, who is there, obviously present, what's your perspective now that you went through uh, this particular conference? Words of affirmation. Don't talk everybody at the same time. Come on. Huh? Who would like to volunteer? Yeah, right? We got five, so we could share. Hallelujah. Uh, out of all the love languages, I find that the words of affirmation is the hardest. Because words of affirmation make you vulnerable, whereas uh, buying gifts, spending time, quality time, um, what else, uh, phys physical touch, they're not acts of service. It's not at a place of vulnerability. Uh, for a lot of people, it's very hard to pay a compliment because they themselves can't receive. So. For me, the words of affirmation were, as I was listening to it, I was like, wow, you know, it is the hardest. It costs you. I mean, all of the love languages, of course, cost you something. But the words of affirmation cause you to dig deep within yourself to be able to, you know, to, to give that word. But yet a person who, whose primary language is the words of affirmation, that's what blesses them, right? Okay. You wanted to add something to that? Oh, he's a runner? Okay. Acts of service. Well, if you have an idea, too, if you have the mic, you know. But acts of service, what did you get out of that? Acts of service is more of a doing. Um, it's more about doing things or being able to connect with someone who does things. It's taking the little things off of someone's plate. It comes from a... As far as I'm concerned, it comes from a foundation of having a servant's heart. It's doing without being asked to do. It's um, being involved in such a way where it's a cooperative effort without it being an obligation. It's something that comes from the heart. So someone who speaks, I'm one whose primary love language is acts of service. Um, so what essentially that means to me is that because I am constantly doing without being asked, it just is pulled from me. I respond to someone who does for me without my having to ask for something to be done. Right. So it can be something as pulling out my seat. It can be something as if I'm coughing my brains out and, you know, someone passes me a bottle of water. That allows me to feel that not only is my need being met, but that there's some degree of love that's being communicated towards me, which then as the receiver allows me to open up that much more and then give more in return. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Okay, who would, who would like to share something about receiving gifts? Who was there yesterday? Receiving gifts. Receiving gifts, um, a lot of people think that the receiving of the gift is the gift that's important, but it's the thought that comes behind it. Because the person that receives love by the act of receiving gift, every time they see the gift that is given to them, it's reminded that the person stopped and thought about them, that they were special for that one moment. So the gift itself is the reminder of the love. If there's no gift, then the person tends to question whether they're loved or not. Hmm. Okay, okay. And number four, quality time. Who would like to talk about quality time? Uh, quality time. That is my primary love language and Tony's second. So as a couple, we do it well. And quality time just means being with one another, no matter what is happening, no matter what you're doing, it's just the fact that you're together, spending that time together. And it also means compromise. So I like to watch movies, a lot of love dramas and love comedies. And so, you know, Tony as a man doesn't technically want to sit there and watch one, but he will, out of his love for me, to spend that quality time with one another, he will, and vice versa. So quality time. <laughs> And the, and the last one, physical touch. Physical touch. So, I'm kind of a touchy-feely kind of guy. <laughs> and uh, for me, the, the, the biggest expression of love is when you touch me, hug me, 
put your hand on my hand, hand on the shoulder, uh, maybe just rub my cheek a little bit, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, that's my primary love language, and Belinda has, uh, you know, it, it, it's, I think it's her last. I think it's actually underneath her last. No, just joking. <laughs> so she has, she has learned, you know, for those of us who maybe grew up in a home where there was almost no physical touch, it's not an easy thing. Um, so Belinda has learned to just kind of remind herself that a touch and embrace, you know, fills my love tank. And it's been a wonderful journey. Amen. 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 Excellent. Come on, give yourselves a appreciate. It. All right. Well, we want to talk about several aspects uh, where we have learned together. We're married now 37 years, and we knew each other. Amen. And we've known known each other since when, honey? Was it since 1839? Where was it that we Very met? Very early. Um... It's been about 42 years now that we've been together, known each other, 42 years um, all together. Um, and um, it's taken us a long time, you know, that's been a long time and we've gotten to know each other pretty good. But I wanted to share today a little bit, if my husband is in mind, about the love languages in the sense that when it comes to these love languages, I tend to notice that sometimes one begins to, whatever your, your love language is, you tend to give that love language to your spouse but that's not their love language, and we tend to confuse what we what we think is acts of service. I'm a do, you know, I'm, I'm a doer, so I'm going to do things for you. You might think, yeah, oh, I'm showing them love, I'm doing things for them, but that might be your primary love language, not your spouse's. So I'm, I thank God that you guys shared that a little bit about how the touchy feely thing is your thing, and how she has she kind of understands that. So when it comes to the love languages, we have to understand that we're not we're not speaking our love language, our own love language. We have to speak our spouse's love language, and we have to show them their love language, whatever that is. And that's one of the things that come with time as you get to know your spouse. Before we ever learned about the love languages, because you know sometimes you don't even know these things exist. Um, I kind of like, we just kind of fell into a, a pattern where I learned his love language very early on. He's um, acts of service. So I tend to be doing things all the time, <laughs> which I love to do anyway, because that's the way I guess I show my love to him. And I, I wasn't even sure what my love language was, to be honest with you, um, because I'm kind of like a recluse of a sort, you know? So I was the other day, so just yesterday, I just took the time. <laughs> just to find out for myself because I'm not even sure what, you know, and I got, you know, physical touch. That was what ended up, you know, like yourself. And I said, and I had to think about it for a while and I had to say, is it, you know, and then I started thinking, I said, you know, yeah, I do like, you know, <laughs> the physical touch aspect of it. So I had to kind of like take the test over because I wasn't even sure, you know, because sometimes you're not even sure of your own love language. So that's why it's important to take the test. But we have to understand as spouses and as we go, we have to learn to speak each other's love language, not your own, but each other's love language in order to make a happy home and a happy marriage for both the husband and the wife. Amen. And, and that's important because um, when you first get married, you realize after all the courtship you're dating that, oh my God, I didn't know her like I thought I did and vice versa. So you're going to find that uh, when you're dating, after the day uh, passes, you, you, you want to bring your best foot forward, but at the end of the day, each one of you goes to your own homes, right? But once you're married, at the end of the day, you're still stuck with each other. And then you sleep in the, in, in the same bed unless the guy's in the doghouse and then he's got to sleep in the living room. Or maybe a literal doghouse. <laughs> so... But it, it, it is a journey, and there is no such thing as a manual on a human being. Everybody is unique. So uh, one of the things that I've always told uh, the guys that I talk with uh, about marriage and relationships is you have to eventually become that person's doctor. The wife has to become uh, the husband's doctor. The husband has to become the wife's doctor. In other words, you know more about this woman. You know more about that man than anybody else in the world other than Jesus himself. Right? And so this is something we strive to do. When we were uh, first uh, married, um, we really loved each other. Uh, we, we got married young, actually. Uh, we got married at 19. And 
yeah, that was young, looking at back now, but we really did want to be married. We really loved each other. But when we got together and we were after a couple of months, after a year or so, we realized that she had a temper and so did I. Yeah, I, I came from, from a macho-oriented home, and then she came from a... Uh, Female-dominated home. I, I, was, I was trying to look for a, a, a nice word. Yeah. yeah. Her mom was the boss. Yeah. Her mom, basically, when I would date her, I had to date her in her home. Her mother never let us go alone. We were always chaperoned. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, she thought she got the better of me, but I got the better of her anyway. But, because I eventually got my wife, right? Yeah. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, I would go there, and she would tell her husband, you know, where are you going? And she would make sure that that man was, uh, he had the right amount of money, or didn't have too much money, and, and basically, she was, she was the boss. And I would look at that, and go, never going to do that to me. <laughs> When we get married, there won't be a lot of changes up in this place. <laughs> so, and there were. We, we really, sometimes we fought a lot. And do you want to add some, some stuff to that? He's just doing great. It was true. I, you know, it was a very different. You know, and a lot of us don't understand how our, our upbringing impacts our married life. Because if you're thinking that your upbringing does not impact your married life, you're so wrong. It really does impact because what you grow up believing or seeing or how your parents, you, you interact with your parents as a whole or whoever you're interacting with on a regular basis kind of like um, forges you into the person you become, kind of like puts you in a place where you think that's the right way to be. That's the right way. I have to be, I have to be domineering because my mom was domineering, so you feel like you're going to, you know, this is what I saw at home, and being that my father was such a humble man and quiet, he didn't buck the system much. So um, that's the way I grew up. So I thought that that was the right way because that's what forged me as a person, as a young person growing up, and I had to learn a lot. And it came through Christ. It came through a lot of um, hardship, difficulty. Um, but, you know, that's reality, and that's what marriage is all about. You know, we are a product of our upbringing, and we're going to bring that into whatever relationship we find ourselves in, whether it's a, a husband and wife relationship, whether it's a friend relationship. You're going to bring that into that relationship no matter what it is because it's who you were brought up to be and how you were taught and what your mindset is and how you, your home forged you as a person, as an adult. And so, yeah, we, we, we did buck heads. Yeah, we did. We, 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 never, we never really argued. It was just intense fellowship is really what it was. <laughs> And that leads us to our first point, communication. Yeah. Ephesians 4.29, it says, Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, we read this verse. It says, he gave up his life for her to make her holy. Talking about Jesus with his bride. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. See, there's word there. There's communication there. He did this to present her to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. So you see how Jesus communicates with the church. Mm -hmm. And his, his object is to make her, his goal is to make her uh, a glorious church. Uh, and so as husbands, when we communicate with our wives, that's vital. Because the way we communicate is different than the way women communicate, right? Amen. Yeah, that's true. Anybody? We, we think differently. And, and so first thing in a relationship, you have to learn how to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. It's not automatic. You're going to find when you get married, you're going to realize... Oh, my God, he's not understanding me. Oh, my God, she's not understanding me. So we have to make a special emphasis to communicate. And here was my problem as a young man. I wanted to win the argument. I wanted to let her know that I'm the man and my point of view is always right. Nobody here, of course. You, you, you've been a deliberate generation. You have no, <laughs> right? It's only for my generation, right? You guys, you're just perfect, right? The truth of the matter is, is that I did not know how to talk to her. So we would get into the headbutting, and my thing is I wanted to win, and her thing is she wanted to win because we had different agendas. So one of the first things I had to learn in terms of communication is that 
we suck at communicating. <laughs> I, I want it to be real. Re really, we stink at it. So we have to learn how to talk with an object, right? With an object to get the point across in a way that would benefit both. I wasn't doing that. We would argue and fight, and then I would get, of course, embedded in my position. She'd get embedded in her position, and then nobody would win. But the truth of the matter is that I had to learn that sometimes she had a better point than I did. And I think, who was it? Uh, I think you mentioned that that's a hard thing to pay a compliment. One of the ways you could pay a compliment is, you know, your idea is better than mine. And I didn't want to do that because I was the man. And the man have to make every decision, right? Wrong. Sometimes your spouse will have a better idea, concept, and I found that she has a lot of words of wisdom, a lot of understanding. So little by little, I had to start arguing less and communicating in such a way to bring about the best idea because we already won. We're already married. We're already on the same side. It's not an argument you have to win. It's a decision you both have to render as a team so that the greatest benefit could come to the family. One of the, the problems with communication also is um, we do a lot of talking and very little listening. And that becomes a huge issue in any kind of relationship. Um, we talk at the person because we want to be heard, but we're not really listening to their point of view or what they're saying because we want, like he said, we want to either be right or we just want them to do it our way, or we want our way. And that becomes a difficulty in communication where you have to learn to stop and listen to what the other person is saying. Get your point across, getting your point across is important, it's a good thing, but also stop and listen. What is his need, what is her need, what is she saying, what is he saying? You know, because once you stop to listen, then you realize, wait a minute, you know, maybe I'm not so right as I think I am. Maybe if I stop to listen to what he's saying, I realize I'm not 100% correct. And maybe the truth is in the middle somewhere between the two of you. So communication is something that's really, really important in every aspect of a relationship um, from the time you're dating, even relationships, um, friendships. Communication is so vital and so important in any relationships that you may have with your parents, even you know, child with their parents, a spouse, communicating what is so important because it's one of the things that gets you to a place where you can then coexist peacefully. If you can really sit down and listen to each other and understand one another and have an open mind and open heart to really truly listen, not just to say, I'm listening to you, but you already have a rebuttal in your head. How many, how many of you go through that? Because I go through that a lot. You know, come on, come on, people of God, you'll be raising your hands because I know I'm not alone. You know, you know, you already have an answer in your head. You're half, you, you know, you, he's, the person is barely talking to you and you already have a rebuttal in your head going. Come on. And so then that puts you at a place where you're not really listening because you already want to be right. I already have the next answer. Come on, I'm not alone here. You know, you know what, you all know what I'm talking about because... You know, I do that, I can tend to do that real well, you know, and, um, and I think that everybody's like that. I, I, I think that there's no person that is not like that, you know, have a rebuttal out because you want to be right, because you want to be the one on top. You want to be the one that knows what you're talking about. But in reality, when you stop to listen and you stop, you may just start thinking to yourself, if you really stop to listen to the other person, hey, I'm not as right as I thought I was, and maybe I need to shut up, and I need to, you know, just let it be and... And just, you know, come to that place where you can humble yourself and say, honey, I wasn't that right after all, you know. So communication is one of the most vital things that a couple can do and should do, not just with their communication, but also with every kind of communication within a total relationship. Another thing about communication in Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. It's really, uh, you know, when you look at your wife or you look at your husband, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's in there. So we have to be careful not to denigrate our spouse. Uh, we have to learn early on. You don't need to use foul language. You don't need to insult the individual just because you're not getting your way immediately. You don't need to do that. So I would recommend to all the guys here, being a guy myself, that you try to withhold insulting or denigrating your spouse. I mean, that's not a good thing. 
And then one other thing we learned early on is that once you have children in the mix, children are manipulators by nature. Children are the best psychiatrists I've ever seen on the face of the earth. And they will try to pit you against your spouse. So early on, we made an agreement, an ironclad agreement, not to allow our kids to get the better of us. We're going to get the better of them. Amen. All right? So what happened when was... I say it this way. They're not going to drive us. We're going to drive them. Yeah. We're yeah. on the driver's seat. <laughs> so what we did early on is I was responsible for the boy and she was responsible for the girls. So in case any of the girls came to me, oh, mommy did, mommy did, I would say, well, mommy has a final word on that. Oh, man. And so with my son, uh, you know, he went, of course, to mommy, mama's boy classic, right? And, and you know, look what daddy is saying. He says, sorry, daddy has a final word on this. So they never were able to get a, uh, put a wedge in our relationship. So for those of you who are just uh, ready to have kids or going to have kids, our kids, I don't know. <laughs> at, some, at some point in time, you're going to have to deal with kids. Just always make sure that you speak with your spouse and make an agreement as to how you're going to raise them. Don't allow them to become a point of contention or division yeah. in your relationship because they will bring you there. They will take you there, and they'll take you beyond that. And at the end of the day, they'll have their way. They'll be, yes. And meanwhile, we all, you know, we're, we're killing each other in there. Yes, we're getting our way. Don't allow that because you are the parents, and they need for you to be in control, and they need uh, for, for us to give them uh, proper mentoring so in the future they themselves could be the same. Yeah. One of the things I always tell um, couples who have children is that your relationship with each other has to transcend your children. Because point, eventually, and, I'm, and, and this is the truth, your children, you have them, they don't belong to you, first of all. So newsflash, if you have kids, they don't belong to you, first of all, they belong to God. Number two, you're, number two newsflash, you're raising them for someone else. Come on, people. Because eventually they'll grow up, they'll get married, they'll go on and make their own lives. So when that time comes, when they're ready to make their own lives, it's just going to be, you're going to be back to square one, just the two of you again. That's it. Once you, we've been empty nesters for years, so it's just us two. So your relationship has to transcend even your children because, so you can't let them, like he said, pit, you can't let them pit you against each other because it has to transcend that because one day it's just going to be the two of you again. You started out just the two of you. At the end, that's the way you're going to end up again, just the two of you as time goes on. And that's very important to understand. Yeah, there's some people that they're to, to, today, they're together just because of the kids. Yeah. And that's a sad situation. You have to work on that because once they're gone, what are you going to do if there's no passion? So that's why when we, the kids were growing up, we would always tell them, we're going out now, we're going on a date. We want to go with you. The answer is no. I'm going to date your mom. And I, I said that purposely. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I said that purposely so they could learn that early on. You, you, date, you don't finish dating once you're married. You keep on dating. You, you keep on get, bringing the flowers that's and right. uh, having fun together. That's, that's very important. You've got to pray together, cry together, laugh together, have fun together. That doesn't stop. So right now we're empty nesters, and we're having fun. (laughs) (laughs) We're enjoying that. Uh, Point number two is mutual submission and respect, compliance to each other. And this is a topic that sometimes is difficult, and I've noticed this is a difficult subject for a lot of women in particular, because the... (laughs) I heard some grunts. You know, I know it is difficult. It's a difficult, and you know, if you guys want to talk to me a little bit about this later after the service, I'll be more than happy to talk to you because I had a revelation of this years ago. Um, because, like all women, you know, they have, especially today, we're living in an era. Come on, we're living in an era where you know women are feel like they need they have a bigger voice. They need to have a bigger voice, <laughs> and so submission is not something that comes naturally to a lot of people. But the Bible tells us, us wives to submit to our husbands, right? That's what the Bible says. And further submit to one another out of the reverence, out of reverence for Christ. And we have to learn. We have to understand the order of God. All that has to do is with the order of God. How God created the order that he made, which was, you know, the, the order in which he made uh, a man first and then a w- woman. The thing about the order of God, if you can't, hear what God is saying in those verses. Wives, submit to your husbands. We have to submit to one another. The thing about that, if you can't understand that order, 
then you're being also disobedient to God because it's God's order that you're coming against. So, you know, I can go into it more deeper with you ladies if anybody wants to know more about it, but God gave me a revelation years ago as I was praying. I think as most women pray, Lord, help me submit. Lord, help me, help me. You know, <laughs> we go through those stages, you know, because sometimes we don't feel like it. Come on. I, come on, women. You know, you know what I'm talking about, you know. Um, but it was in my prayer closet that God gave me a revelation of that. And I had to learn. And I said, oh, my gosh, okay, I, I, I get it now, Lord. I didn't get it back then, but I got it now. And I understood how God showed me his order and how he made order. And then he says, and within that order, if you can't submit within the order I provided for you, then you're not submitting to me, the Lord said to me. So I, ha I got a very deep revelation. There's more to it than that. If you ladies want to know about it, I'd be more than happy to share it. But we need to submit to one another. We need to submit if we, if we know, if, you know, somebody tells you you're wrong about this or you're wrong about that. We need to submit and say, let me hear your point. Maybe I am wrong. And we need to submit and say, you know what? I am wrong. Maybe I need to just back off. But submission is something that a lot of people have difficulty with. I don't any longer. I used to think about it. Maybe the, the way you ladies tend to think about it. But not anymore because I, you know, God just gave me that revelation. I was so blessed by it. And to this day, I have no, you know, no problem submitting to my husband and understanding God's headship. And, and the thing is, uh, part of the revelation is realizing that that word in the Greek is not talking about that he's greater than you are. Right. It's, it's similar if you come to a job. You know, you are right now the head clerk. Uh, the person that owns the business is not better than you. It's just that their responsibility is different. So when you understand that, you don't see any more from the flesh or, or the earthly vantage point. Right. Oh, he's bigger than me. I have no say here. Right. I've lost my rights. That's not what the scripture mm -hmm. was talking about. When God created man, he created us with a unique ability to be able to provide for family. Right. We're created for that. We're created as warriors to go out there and, and get the kill and bring the meat home. And, and we have that strength. We, we will fight others to protect our families. And notice he's not talking to the world. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians that have a revelation of what headship is. So in the world, you might have met a man who was very abusive, a nasty man, a, a, a one that would curse at you, would beat you up. That's not what the scripture is talking about. He's not saying to submit to a person like that. It's, it's talking to Christians who understand that man, when, when God right. told man, listen, you are the head, but here's how I want you to love your wife. Right. Love your wife like I love my wife. How does Jesus love his wife? Who's his wife? The bride of Christ, right? Or the bride of Christ is the body of Christ, which is the church, right? How does he love the body? He dies for the body. He protects the body. He speaks life to the body. He's tender with the body. He, he protects and, and he nurtures it with the washing of the water of the word. You understand? So you could submit to a man like that. You understand? So when you're talking about the proper context, mm -hmm. you're talking about, it first opens up in saying mutual submission. We both submit to each right. other. I submit to God in the sense that I will love right. my wife. How? Like you love your wife. And let me get a side note here. The side note is many men love Christ's bride mm -hmm. like they love their own body. You're not supposed to. Notice there's some men, preachers, ministers. Yeah. They love the church more than they love their wife. That's adultery. There are some people, some ministers that ignore their wife because of quote-unquote ministry. I take offense to that. Your first ministry is to your family. So when you get married, that becomes your first ministry. You're supposed to cover that woman as Christ loves the body. So you can't love Christ's bride more than you love your own wife. You have to love your own wife like Christ loves his wife. Right? So when we submit to each other, I'm submitting to God and to her in the sense that I will not abuse her. I will not bring the machismo attitude that, oh, I have to do everything, you're nothing here, my, all my decisions are mine. That's not what it's speaking about. So when you mutually submit to each other, I take my place. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 9. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 9. Again, talking to Christians. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. But it's talking to Christians. It's not talking to the world. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak 
to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outwardly beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, beautiful clothes. It's not saying you can't do that. It says let that not be your priority. In other words, this is the only thing that's going to bring love. No, no, no. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to who? To God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him master back in those days. You are her daughters when you do what's right without fear of what your husbands might do. In the same way, your husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers would not be hindered. Wow. So if I don't treat my wife right, if I don't treat my wife the way Christ is treating his bride, my prayers will be hindered. So husbands that are, that are out of order and they're abusing their wives, mistreating their wives, their prayers aren't even being heard. I'm getting no amens from the guy and I'm getting wows from the, from the ladies. See, so when we understand the proper context of mutual submission, we won't have a problem with the revelation of what Scripture is saying. Scripture is perfect. We're the ones that mess Scripture up. And that's why many ladies say, I ain't submitting to any man, I don't care. She doesn't have a revelation right. of what it is mm-hmm. to, to be with a man who's mutually submissive and understands what true headship is. Right. In the same way, a man says, no woman has the, can tell me anything to die on the boat. He has no revelation of what a scriptural, godly husband is. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me finish these verses. Um, it says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Praise God. Third point. Um, one of the things we need to do is to seek to learn all about our spouses. How many of you have done that? Seek to learn all you can about your spouse, especially for you guys who have... I call you guys newlyweds, you know, when you've been married just a few years. Um, seeking all you can because one of the things we have to do in marriage is, um, and I, I was talking to my husband about this, we need to adapt. It's very hard to adapt to things when we have our mindset a certain way or when we are a certain way. And a lot of marriage has to do with adaptation. Adaptation in the sense that you have to change some of your ways. And I'm not getting no amens, but that's reality. Not, Come on. Not a one. Come uh, on, people Minister of God. Tony? Minister Tony, what, how is it? Come on. Otherwise, your, your relationship is doomed to failure, really. Yeah, thank you. Can we play that again? You know? <laughs> Otherwise, your relationship is going to be doomed to failure. Um, we have to learn to adapt. There are things in us as part of our upbringing that we bring into a relationship that is not going to work out in a relationship. It just isn't. But we bring those things. And some of, some, some of us, if we, have, if we have a second marriage or a second relationship, we bring in all the baggage from the first relationship and we bring it into relationship number two and then that's doomed to failure as well because we haven't learned to let go of the baggage. Come on, ladies, say, let go of the baggage. If you want to have a successful relationship, we need to let go of the baggage. And a lot of that has to do with adaptation. Let me tell you something. Um, people, I've seen a lot of couples get married, and they, you know, they start having relational problems. And I'll hear one spouse say, well, he knew I was like this before we were married, or she knew I was like this before we were married. And that's just an excuse not to change. And then what ends up happening is eventually as time goes on, it brings friction in the relationship. It brings friction in the marriage because they're refusing to change. That's an excuse. They don't want to change. They don't want to. They want to continue being the way they always have been. So they don't want to adapt, you know, not understanding that, you know, if 
you were type of person who did something that annoyed, you, you know, uh, someone or your husband or whatever. And he says, you know, I don't like it when you don't do the laundry, for instance. That's just an example. And, um, you know, you refuse to do the laundry. Oh, but you knew I was like that before we were. You, no, you have to change. There's, there's things that you have to change within a relationship. Because that's probably, maybe his love language. His love language is the, the uh, you know, you doing things for him, getting the laundry done, getting the cooking done. And just because you weren't like that before doesn't mean you continue to remain in that same little box that you put yourself in. Because sometimes we put ourselves in a little box. And in this little box, we refuse to move out of it. And it causes friction in the marriage. The relationship is doomed to failure. And, um, you know, what didn't work the first time, if you're on a second marriage, what do you think, how do you think it's going to work? Is it working for you now? You know? So we have to learn to adapt to our spouses, to their needs, how they think. Um, if he doesn't like something, then I have to say, well, let me see how I can change that, you know, to keep peace in the marriage. Come on. That's also being humble, humbling yourself and saying, you know, yeah, I know I'm not perfect. Yeah, I know I have faults. Um, yeah, I know that I'm not, you know, that, that there are things in me that still can change and should change and need to change. Um, and that's just a recognition within yourself. And so if there's something in the marriage that's, you know, been a hindrance, a stumbling block for years, why continue doing it the same way? You know, somebody said, you know, definition of madness is doing something over and over and still getting the same result, you know, which is a bad Man. result, you know? So... We have to learn to adapt. We have to learn to change our ways and say, you know, this doesn't really work for my husband. This really doesn't work for my wife. So let me see how I can change that. I'm not going to make any more excuses. I'm not going to keep saying this is the way I am. This is the way God, how you, you all the other one, this is the way God made me. So we use God this is the way God made me. So we feel that then our it spouse has God's to, fault. yeah, our, our spouse has to accept it because this is the way God made me. See, God, you know, so <laughs> you have to accept it. You know, that's the way God spiritualizing. Uh, so we spiritualize everything for our benefit, though, It's for our benefit, you know, trying to make our spouse accept what they do not me, want to accept or what they have living, difficulty with. Let me with. give you a living example. Years ago, um, talking about uh, loving Christ's body more than your own wife. I mean, when, when we were young, um, in the, I would say early 20s, right? Uh, she had a younger, thank you. Uh, uh, so I used to go to work all day. I had like about three jobs to take care of my family. And then after that, uh, church, that's it. I used to play guitar for evangelists. And uh, I loved doing it. It was, it was a passion of mine. I made three records uh, three, with three, three trios. Uh, three Oeling and all those other trios. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. That, that type of, you know. But yeah, I got three, three albums. And, uh, but because of that, I spent all day working, and then in the evening, I'd be in church. So when I would get home at like 11, 30, 12 o'clock, because you get out of those services very late, um, you know, she'd be fighting. I said, listen, you know, you, you got to stop that, man. You know, you, you, you're letting the devil use you. You know, we would get into some serious arguments. You know, I'm, I'm a man of God, and I'm about Christ's business. I'm, yes, but yeah, I need you here. You know, I have nobody to talk to. And we talk about you. Talk to your kids, I would tell her. And she says, what type of conversation could I have with these children, you know? So we go back and forth. We fight. They were babies. One day, one day it hit me. I, I had an epiphany, you know. I realized, I said, you know, she's got a point. I'm working all day, three jobs, and I'm in church. And, and if I want to keep my marriage here, I'm going to have to stop playing for the evangelists. So I went up to them. I says, you know, sir, I'm going to have to stop doing this because even though we know this is the move of God, this is the work of God, you know, my wife's giving me a hard time. About this. He said, no, 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 listen, it's your assignment for now. You have to be home. You have to help to raise your kids. And so he released me, and, and I went home, and, you know, it was all right. I, I, I came into a place of peace. I gave her uh, more time. That's one of the love languages. Which one is that? Quality time. So I had to learn how to give her quality time. So we would walk the streets um, of Brooklyn, Queens. What was that street, that Main Street, Myrtle Avenue? Yeah, yeah. We'd walk Myrtle Avenue. I would have two babies inside the stroller and one baby back here. And we were like 23 years old. And so we're walking, the kids ourselves, right? And people would look at us. They were going, huh? And I would say, what are you looking at? And I would get so, so angry. I was, what are you looking at? And we would, if we would go to see a movie together, we would sit down with the three kids. Well, the question was always, you know, are they twins? Some of them have to be twins. <laughs> no, they're all separate. But we would be in the movie, and of course, the kid, one kid would start crying. And then, you know, of course, the movie people, they're merciless, right? Now, shut that kid up. And I would go, you shut up, man. Where are you? I'll go over there and shut you up. You know? <laughs> but we would, we would have fun together. Yeah. And, uh, the, but I had to learn how to 
again, start seeking her, um, what is it that she needed. I had to learn all about my spouse. Now I'm an expert. You know, I know what flowers she likes. I know what food she likes, what restaurants she likes. I know what she doesn't like, which is many things she doesn't like. <laughs> but now I know the things she doesn't <laughs> like. And, and, you know, but I've had to learn. But the thing is, I, after a while I realized, the other day, she looked and she says, you're doing the bed. I said, yeah, I do the bed. She goes, oh, that's cool. You know, she likes that. She always does her bed. And in the past, I would get up and run to work. I'd leave the bed like that. You know, she'd take care of it. But now I do the bed. When I get up, I put it. I just, I, one likes that, so let me do that. You know? and, and now I changed it in my heart to say, no, I like that. I'm going to adopt that behavior to me. So I wash dishes and do all that stuff. So she, she doesn't have to do as much. You see? So in my head, instead of fighting this, says, no, let her do it. No, why don't I do it? You know, so I adopt more uh, behaviors that I know she likes, and I said after a while, instead of she liked that, so I like that. A little more organized, a little more orderly. This is what she likes. Since I know she likes it, I do it, and I get, I get the, what, what's the called points? He gets points. I get points. <laughs> points. Come on, guys. He starts to accumulate them little by little. He gets points. <laughs> <laughs> points are a good thing because later on, if I need some points, it helps keep me from the doghouse. Number four is purposeful investments in each other's lives based on the knowledge of your spouse's uniqueness. You know, we're all different. No two couples are alike. No two people are alike. So we have to learn as we're, as we're married uh, spouses. Oh, even when you're dating, you know, and I tell people this when they're dating, take the time to get to know the person you're dating. Make sure that it's a good match for yourself, that you can see that you want to spend the rest of your life with this person. Because once the I do's come, is I do for good, you know. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. But the sad thing about today is that, you know, divorce is so rampant. And it has become so rampant even within the church. And now we have the people, the church, the divorce rate from the last time I checked, I think, was higher within the church itself than even in the world right now. And it's gotten so sad because we always give ourselves an out. And I've heard couples going into marriage saying, you know, well, if it doesn't work out, I can always get a divorce. And this is right before they get married. They're already talking divorce and talking about a way out before they even say, I do. So in the back of people's mind is, you know, if it fails, I, can, I have my way out already. I know what to do. And with a divorce getting easier and easier to obtain, I mean, I've heard of people going to, like, for instance, Dominican Republic to get divorced and uh, how easy it's out there to get a divorce versus over here. I'm not sure if that's the truth, but I've heard that a lot of people tend to do that. And so we, we give ourselves an out before we even want to work things out. Before we want to work things out, we already got an out. It's not working, okay. I don't like the way she talked to me. I don't like the way he talked to me. So therefore, um, I'm, I'm out of this. I, I, I'm just going to say it's over. It's done. I'm done, you know. And that's the sad thing about um, um, relationships today. We can't, you, you, as Christians, we shouldn't even be thinking that way, actually. You know, we should be thinking uh, marriage is for the rest of my life. And that's, when I went into marriage, and, and the old people from the old days, I don't know if you got, you know, your parents, maybe your parents, my mom, and, you know, when it came to marriage, it was a lifelong commitment. They didn't think about, divorce didn't even cross their minds. Um, and even if they were in abusive relationships, they wouldn't get a divorce. It didn't cross their mind, you know. And I can tell you this for a fact, because my mom had come from an abusive relationship before she met my dad, and she never even thought, the thought never even crossed her mind to get a divorce, because that was, that was a no-no. That was, you don't get a divorce. But today, times have changed drastically. And I'm not saying stay in a relationship if you're being abused. No, you get out of there, because, you know, your, your life is in danger, you know. So, but... I'm saying the old folks, their way of thinking was marriage is for the rest of my life. Marriage is not just for today and then tomorrow I'm upset and I'm going to get divorced and it doesn't work out. Marriage was something that was sacred in the old days. And once people said the I do, they stayed together. They bound together and they stayed together even in times of difficulty, it's, it's even still, in times of hardship. It's still sacred. But in terms of some, some investments we can make, if you have a mm -hmm. spouse that, that loves words of affirmation, Constantly yeah. give words of affirmation. Seek good things that the person's doing and let them know. I love that you're doing this. Yeah. I appreciate it. Sometimes I, I, I see her folding my clothing and she puts it inside. I said, that's love. 
I tell her that. I, I like that. That's love. She makes a meal. This is love. I like that. And I, I tell her on purpose so she could realize. What's that? What, did, what, what were you saying? Amen. Glory <laughs> to God. That's, that's right. But I love it, and I let her know. Oh, and if it's acts of service, then you yeah. do the acts of service that the person likes. What, yes. about, what about the investment of receiving gifts? Give gifts. All different types. And uh, someone said, I think, earlier, it's not the specific gift, although sometimes they ask for specific gifts, right? <laughs> so you try to get the specific gift. When we were uh, teenagers, I gave her her first gold ring, and it wasn't expensive. It was like 39 bucks, I think, at that time. It is my most prized possession. I have diamond ring, and I have all this, but this ring never comes off my finger. It was the first ring he ever gave me. He worked all summer long. Just to buy me the ring, he was, um, like four 16, bucks a week he was 16 years old at the time. We were 16, and he worked the entire summer. I didn't know that he was working just to buy me that ring, that gold ring. It says love on it. If any of you want to see it, I can show it to you later. And it never comes off my fingers, my, my most prized possession. And I have beautiful stuff because my husband has blessed me with a lot of beautiful jewelry and stuff. But this ring is like nothing that I have, you know, Diamonds, whatever, because of just the fact that he spent the whole entire summer working so hard just to buy me that one ring. That's right. That meant so much to me, and it still does. Right. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. I worked hard, man. I'm still suffering that. <laughs> then the fifth one is we must learn to adapt to each other. We already discussed that one. Mm-hmm. Truly become one in purpose and life. The Bible says you get married, you yeah. become one. Now, having said that, I don't look like her. We're not one. She, we're still separate, right? Someone once said, yes, my better half. No, she's a complete whole unto herself. Right. And I'm a whole unto myself. Right. But we become one in purpose. Right. One in vision. One in common goals. You can't be married and the other person doesn't know your business. I fault the guys who won't let the wife know what their codes are because they're afraid they may, that the lady might get into your stuff. You know, you got some stuff hidden there. But there should be no secrets. There should be no secrets. To Amen. Be able Come to on, trust clap if you're going to clap or say ouch if you're going to say ouch. And each other. Really? You know why? The more secrets you keep, the devil works in the secrets. God works in light. That's right. So you actually save yourself when your wife knows your business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, my guy, only one. I'm, Tony, I, I promised you the $25. I'll give you the $25 at the end of the service. <laughs> no, serious. Because what happens is, is the enemy will come and use your secrets against you. Right. Right. And his goal is to destroy you. See, so when your wife knows your stuff then it'll help you out. I remember, you know, in, in, in various times throughout our lives, my wife has come in and she's protected me. One time I was not even aware of it. I was working in a great Christian ministry, Promise Keepers Ministry. We were in Shea Stadium setting everything up. And she's looking because she's working with me. I had her in charge of an entire bookstore because uh, I was the event manager for that, that big event. 44,000 men showed up. Amazing, amazing bit of history for us. And so here I am, I'm working, I'm in my computer, and this lady from Colorado, because they came from Colorado, that was the main offices of the ministry. So she comes in and she does this to me. You know, you look like you're, you know, she goes like that. So my wife is over there, you know. She was there and suddenly she was like right here. I don't know how she did it. It was like she transported yeah, she's like, I teleported. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, I'm busy, I'm working. My, oh, thank you. Wow, that's, that's cool. So she comes and says, honey, are you okay? Uh, you got stress? Uh, you need a massage? Because if you're going to need a massage, I'll give you the massage. So the lady goes like this. And she walked away. She got the message like really quick. And I just, I looked at my wife and go, you're he bad. Yeah, and what we did were, you answer? We, what did you we say? We were walking and he tells me, oh, you're bad. He says, bad. And I told him, bad. You don't want to see bad. <laughs> so, hey, bad, you don't want to see. <laughs> so, so, so I said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> you don't want to see that. But she protected me. I, you know, I mean, maybe the lady had no bad intent. She, 
I find Not that, even. I, you know, we women know. We know. I find that ladies sometimes have a sixth sense that we lack. Yeah, we don't realize it. So what I do is I listen. I say, well, you know, if you feel that person, sometimes you'll tell me uh, that guy's phonier than a $4 bill. I go, oh, man, he looks like a great guy. And, and later on, we find out, boom, it comes out. So yeah. now I just say, what do you think? She goes, I have a question in my spirit. I go, all right, then I, I will, because of your revelation and that, I will be careful. And many times it comes out. So I appreciate that. So this issue of common uh, of, of vision and purpose, we live it together. Right. And we're open. We have no yes. secrets. She has my code to my phone. She even has a, 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 she'll know if I'm uh, in the Bronx or if I'm in Washington, D.C. or in Florida. She knows how to pin me down on her phone. And you know something? I have no problem with it. You know why? I'm not hiding any secrets. I have, yeah. If I'm in Washington, D.C., I'll call her. I call her two, three times a day only because she likes communication. Yeah. See, I must talk to her. If I don't call her in one day, that's it. The world is over. As we know it. Well, no, she'll get, a, she'll get concerned. She'll say, honey, is everything okay? Yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm over here. I'm doing this. I'm doing yeah. that. It is safe. It creates a safe haven for right. both of us. Exactly. And this is the beauty about it. And lastly? Finances. Wow. Finances. Uh, That's the WEPA. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That one is. If I could say enough about finances, is you know, um, one of the things, we have everything together. We always have since we've been married. All our accounts are together. Everything is together. So, you know, I have as much access to anything as he has financially. Um, anything he does from investments to whatever, you know, he always lets me know, this is what I'm doing. This is, I'm investing. And so finances is something that has to be an open topic in your home. You can't, you can't have secret, you know, and if you do have secret accounts, eventually if your spouse finds out, it could be a big problem for one or the other spouse. So finances is something that, you, you know, finances is one of the major causes of divorce. Let's put it that way. A lot of people divorce because of financial problems, financial issues in their marriage. Um, and people have gotten divorced because of that. And it ensues a lot of arguing, especially when bills are not getting paid, you know, and you have children and the rent is not getting paid. Nothing speaks more stress in a marriage than finances. Because if your rent is not getting paid, there's not enough money to buy food, all of that begins to weigh on the couple in general. And it can cause major fights, major arguments, major blame shifting. One person will blame the other one. Um, So, you know, my husband and I, what we try to do is he knows when I buy something or any expenses that I have. And he lets me know when he's buying something. Or we just know because we keep the accounts open all the time. So I get to see all of his stuff. He gets to see all of my stuff. So, and then any major purchases, of course, we discuss it. We, we don't, we don't it, buy yeah. anything major, high-ticket items without talking about it first because the finances might not be there. And I notice that sometimes in marriages, one couple, one, the, either the male or the female will make these purchases that are high in value and it brings the couple down financially where now they owe all this money back and no way of paying it back or difficulty to pay it back. So finances is one of the things that needs to be discussed in a household. It's one of the things that needs to, you guys need to sit down and really, really talk about and um, just work it out in a way where, you know, both of you know where your pennies and your dollars are going. And that goes, that goes to common vision and purpose yeah. because that's just the negative side. The positive side, married folk end up richer than single folk. Right. That's a standard fact because there's two people adding to the pot. And when you're working at it in a purposeful way, yeah. raising your kids, so this amount of money we're going to raise for our kids, for our home, for our retirement, and you, you raise each other up in that right. area, and you work together in that area, when you get to your golden years, everything is taken care of because right. you worked with vision, with purpose. You, you saw finances as a tool that could bless you, your children. The Bible says a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So we're supposed to be working together to provide an inheritance so that when we're gone, our children could get that little extra in their life. Amen? So um, that is an amazing study, finances in itself. But suffice it to say is that when I am about to do something, I'll always talk to her, not because I have to submit because I'm a little nothing. No, it's because she's my partner, and I love her. I said I do 
for better, for worse. I take her as my partner. I celebrate with her. My inheritance is her inheritance. My finances, when I make my check, uh, or rather when I bring my check, I used to give her the check. Here, honey, make sure that this man right here has to have 50 bucks in his pocket. All right? This is important to me. Years ago, I used to keep all my money here. She knew nothing. But I got this revelation. I says, you know, we're married. We're one in purpose. So I said, I'm going to give you the bills. You know why? I found out I'm always in debt. I'm always late with my payments. She was always on time. So I said, you know something? Handle my affairs. Here, take the money, handle it, pay all the bills. After about two years, I had a nice $700 credit score. From a 400 to a 700 because she handled my business because she was better than that at me. Than, than I was, right? And I just told her, I said, this is hard for me. This macho man doesn't want to give up my money. So I don't want to be doing our money. So I gave us this, here, honey, you handle it. You're better than me. But make sure I always have $50 in this pocket. She said, what's the big deal? Oh, 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 it's important to me. See, we communicated that. And so yeah. from that moment on, I always had at least 50 bucks because I don't want to go to, to the store and say, man, I'm broke. No, man, I work hard. I want to have some money in my pocket. But at the same time, I know all my bills are being paid. See, so we learned how to communicate even in the area of finances. Yeah. Like you said, finances, a lot of people get divorced because of that. It's very vital. And Jesus was very clear. He says the way we handle our money here on earth determines if he can trust you with the supernatural anointing. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. right. if you're unfaithful with earthly mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches, Jesus said. So the way we handle our finances here on earth, God is looking at that so he can determine at what level he can work in and through us. Any closing comments? Yeah, I wanted to say that, you know, and, and this is talking to everybody. I think um, Brenda had mentioned um, words of affirmation, how that's a little difficult for you um, sometimes. And, and some of these love languages can be difficult for us you know it could be maybe you acts of service could be difficult for you or quality time or whatever the case may be i just wanted to let you know that just practice it do it because when you can speak words of affirmation to a person just every week just say something good you know and just practice doing find something it. find, find something to compliment yeah. your spouse with um and, and it's the little things that count because um like, I'll, you know, he'll throw out the garbage, and I will tell him, he'll come back in, and I'll say, thank you, honey, for throwing out the garbage. You know, I didn't ask him to throw it out, but he did it anyway. So that's affirmation. Thank you for, you know, taking the garbage out and getting rid of it for me. Or thank you for buying me some chocolate. See, he knows the way to my heart, chocolate. <laughs> yeah, and she always so, has the most difficult chocolate to buy. Yeah. It's the one, the only one they don't have in the store. I have to go, like, 15 blocks sometimes. He, he keeps a stash for me, I and he does, because he says she's going to be happy, and she'll make me happy when she has her chocolate. So, <laughs> so he's smart, you know, so he keeps a stash of chocolate for me. So there are times that I don't have no chocolate, and I'm just having my chocolate craze. I don't know how many of you love chocolate. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, and I'll always look at him, honey, do you have chocolate? Because sometimes he has chocolate. And I go, it just happened. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have chocolate, you know? But um, it's just doing it. It's just practice. Just, you know, telling your spouse, thank you for just taking out the garbage or thank you or, you know, you're awesome or whatever the case is. You know, if it's acts of service, you know, and that's not your uh, strength, you know, just make it your strength. Force yourself to do things, you know, because that's what's going to make your spouse happy. And if you're a happy spouse, like they say, happy wife, happy life. Same thing, happy husband, you'll have a happy life as well. So you want to make rhyme, each other though. happy. It, it doesn't rhyme. Happy wife, well, I'm happy sorry, life. it doesn't rhyme for the man, but happy you know, husband, happy, happy wife, happy life, you know, that kind of thing. But it also goes for the man as well. You keep your husband happy, you know, and your life will be happy, you know. So it's just practice. It's just doing it. Just It may not be your strong suit. It may not be something you're used to doing or used to. Uh, speaking to people certain ways or whatever. But, you know, for me, in, you know, I've practiced enough to now be able to tell him he's awesome. He knows. Yeah, I always tell him, what did I tell you, honey? I always tell him he's the best. <laughs> I always say that to him every day. He's the best. <laughs> so, you know, little things like that because you may think that, you know, husbands don't need affirmation. They need affirmation just as much as we need it. Everybody needs to be encouraged. Whether you're a male or female, we need words of encouragement. So it's important to speak these things to our spouse. It's important for us to do to to just do their love language, not ours, theirs. You know, and it's, because it's going to make your life a whole lot easier and your marriage a whole lot happier. Trust me when I tell you. 
So it says here, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. It's talking about marriage. Yeah. And it says, this is a great mystery, but it's also an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Mm -hmm. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. Notice how Christ qualifies that. As he loves himself, and then the wife must respect her husband. It doesn't say love. Wife, love. It says, wife, respect your husband. Because men need respect. Because anything, any person that respects us, we open up to. And we will serve them and we will bless them. That's why the respect is essential. Because we are wired to serve. Wired to pr provide. Wired to be protectors. So a man that's not respected, he cannot be the protector and provider that he needs to be. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Amen. So see, that's the mystery. The marriage, Hallelujah. it reflects the glory of God. It reflects the love of God. So when we do it right, we bring glory to God. And the world is able to see Christ modeled in relationship. And of course, these points, um, obviously it works in all relationships. So I could, I could go to Tony. I know his love language. So I could go to Tony like this. Good. Good job. Great job. So I just finished, you know, giving him some love. You see, see what I'm saying? And that's why we do that in this church. We show love. We don't just say, I love you, man. No, we, we show love. And, and um, you know, it's, it's a good thing. How many appreciate my wife? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, I appreciate her more than you do. So, honey, will you close us out of prayer? Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done for us, my God. We thank you for this intense weekend, Father, on relationships, Father. We pray that through this weekend, my God, every relationship in this place would blossom and grow yes. in a mighty way, Lord God. We thank you, Father, and we ask that every couple here will become closer and closer together, Father. First, loving you, Father, and then ministering one to the other, my God. Father, we thank you for this weekend. We thank you for everything that you're doing. We thank you for the word that was spoken even today. Father, that it was sit in the hearts of each and every person in this place. Father, we pray that this weekend would have spoken to every marriage in this place. My Father, we ask you, my God, that you bless each and every relationship, my God, that we have, whether spousal, Father, whether with friends or with uh, mothers and fathers, Lord, that you would bless every relationship, Father, that we would understand and know how to speak to one another in love and in purity, my God. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray for traveling mercies for each and every person in this place, my Father. And we pray that the word would have sat in the hearts of each and every person here. Yes. Father, that it would have met them at the point of their need. Yes. Father, we thank you for all that you are doing. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray and we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Amen. Amen.